Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back again to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to talk about resisting temptation. Man, I see people, um, and I used to be one of them, but I see people who uh, struggle with the same sins over and over again. You see people who there's this look on their face like they answer an altar call. And man, I, I commend people. Uh, it's it's an awesome thing to answer an altar call. Like, I know people can almost, if you're in a church setting, people can also be like, oh, it's the altar call. Is there any, you know, anyone out here who's been getting the things they shouldn't? You know, but when someone's answering the altar call, you have to understand that they're yielding their heart to God. Someone who sits in the crowd who needs to answer the altar call and doesn't is hardening their heart towards God. So praise the Lord when people answer the altar call. They may be embarrassed. They may feel shame, but it's nothing. God gives us repentance as a key to be close, to stay close to him, right? So so if you need to keep answering the altar call, keep answering it. But I want to help you with some practical things on resisting temptation. I know we have a lot of younger listeners. Uh, um, really, temptation is... <laughs> Temptation is no respecter of persons. I have people that, you know, have come through healing school. Hey, I've, I've been addicted to pornography for 35 years and I need this thing to break. Like people don't understand what uh, an open door to temptation can evolve into if it's not unchecked. So now is the time. Resist temptation. You know, when I was um, <clears throat> going through kind of this uh Educa- educating myself when in, in regards to food um, and getting an education. When I started dieting and started losing weight, I, I really began to look at food and, and understand what's good for me, what's not good for me. It started with getting this um, fitness app called My Fitness Pal. At the time, it wasn't an app; it was something that I did online. It was before I had a smartphone, but you'd basically track your eating. So you'd say, "All right, well, I weigh." you know, 225 pounds. I want to get down to 210 pounds. I got 15 pounds to lose. I want to do it in two months. And then it would say, all right, this is how much you want to lose per day. And this is how many you'd put in your details. Hey, I'm this tall, whatever. And it would say, this is how many calories you eat to maintain and not lose anything. This is how many calories you eat to lose that amount in that amount of time. So it was basically just pure math. And it started to educate me. Hey, an egg is 60 to 80 calories, right? A apple, 60 to 80 calories. A banana, 80 to 100 calories. You know, a, a, a medium French fry, 480 calories. And then you add the dipping sauce, 640 calories, right? I can eat eight eggs, eight hard. I know that sounds crazy, but everything kind of revolved around like the egg and the banana for me. Like, man, I just ate this burger and this piece of cheesecake, and it was 3,400 calories. That was 10 bananas <laughs> and two dozen eggs, you know, whatever the case was. And so you start to get an education. But I remember watching this this um, documentary on pork, and it was on the pork industry, and just talked about pigs. And I don't want to get into too much detail, but talked about how pigs are one of the only animals that don't sweat. And so the reason... Man, I'm going to gross people out here. The reason that um, bacon is um, really like beef, there's no part of the beef that's salty naturally, right? If you don't salt your steak, it's going to be tasteless. Same with chicken. But but bacon is salty and delicious, right? And that's actually because sweat, there is no sweat glands for the pig. So um, sweat is obviously salty if it's retained in the meat. That's why you get salty meat. So not to gross you out, but that's the reason bacon is naturally very salty, right? So I, I started to watch this and, and my sister-in-law, Simone, actually still to this day 
by the sheer thought of bacon, gets grossed out. Like, orders a breakfast sandwich, no bacon, avocado, please. Where for me, I've kind of gotten over it. I still don't buy it. I don't really eat it that often. But every once in a while, if if it's in a salad, right, I, I don't mind eating a piece or two. But it became this education where she watched this documentary and she made a decision. For the rest of my entire life, I will never eat bacon again. You know, the reality is for her, bacon, maybe not for her, but bacon smells good. It comes to the table, man, that bacon, man, that bacon smells good. But the temptation for her wasn't an issue because she just made a decision. I'll never eat it ever again. And it's a decision that she made. And I'm willing to bet that in 30 years from now, never, still not touching bacon. And the same is true with temptation. You have to decide beforehand, man, when the time comes, first of all, I'm not even going to allow myself to be in that situation, but I am not doing this. I'm making up my mind now. You know, there's a time where you do business with God, that you get into a service and say, God, I'm making up my mind. No matter what happens in my life, I'm not doing this, right? I'm going to resist this temptation. The way, though, you make it easier on yourself is to not put yourself in those scenarios. Many people just hang out with the wrong crowd. And so you're like trying to not, you know, drink or you're trying to not, you know, end up doing the wrong thing, but you just hang out with the wrong people. You know, if you're trying to break an addiction to lust, you shouldn't be up at two o'clock in the morning on your phone browsing the internet. Like there's some things that you can do. Like you're putting yourself too close to temptation, right? Things that you can do to make it harder on yourself, things you can do to make it easier. But um, the first thing is, is, is the, in the matter of the mind, keep your mind pure. Colossians 3 says, set your affections on things above. Colossians 3, 3, set your affections on things above, not on, actually, I think it's 3, 1. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. That word set your affection actually means direct your mind. So choose to direct your mind to the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 9 and 11 says, how will a young man cleanse his way by giving heed to your word? If there's something in your life, a sin that you've been drawn back into time and time again, temptation that you fall into, it starts in your thought life where you, the Bible says to flee youthly lust, right? Flee fornication, right? When the thought even comes, you flee in your mind. I'm not thinking that. Even if you decide, hey, every time that thought comes, I'm going to think about something else. And it doesn't necessarily have to be spiritual. It can be. But if you just say, man, when those thoughts come, I'm immediately going to think about football or I'm immediately think about Marvel movies, right? I'm going to think about whatever it is that gets your mind off that into the other, into something else. But I say, take it a step further. When the temptation comes, make the devil pay for the temptation. When the temptation to sin comes, act in the opposite spirit. If it's, if you're alone and a temptation comes to do something, which is usually the case, um, temptation comes. What do you do? You do something that that the devil doesn't want you to do. All right, every time the temptation comes, I'm going to go pray in tongues for five minutes. I'm going to go read the word for five minutes and make yourself do it. Just like if you were like, all right, every time, uh, for me, I had this thing. Every time Allen Iverson scored a shot when he would play basketball on TV, I would, uh, I would do curls with this bar. Man, every time, and it was an exciting thing for me, but I would, man, this dude scored a lot. But every time temptation comes, when the devil brings temptation my way, I'm going to go read a scripture verse and I'm going to walk out and head in the other direction. There's things that you can do. Changing your location is a big one. 
If you're in a place and you're up and you're in a room and there's a temptation that comes for whatever it is, you get up and you move to a different room, walk outside, do something different. You know, if, if it's, hey, I, I have temptation to go smoke, right? And you're by yourself, man, get up and get on the phone. Hey, brother, I just need to give you a call. You know, I'm struggling to resist this temptation. Help me out. Man, every time this temptation comes, I call my friend who can help me, right? And you make decisions beforehand. You don't leave it all up to your your willpower when the time comes. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that there's no temptation. Well, it says, um, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. You want to hear about God's faithfulness? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. When the temptation comes, you have to be willing to walk away from it. Lord, where's my way of escape? Let me walk out of this. Even if it's something simple, like a thought comes to your mind and you out loud say the word, no, no. Man, you, you could be standing there in a group of people and no, <laughs> everyone's quiet. If you're standing at the checkout line and a thought comes and you just, no, uh-uh, I'm not thinking that. And you just move on. Replace the thought with something else. Be willing to walk out. Lord, wake up in the morning. Lord, if temptation comes my way, Father, by your Holy Ghost, I'm resisting. And then don't put yourself in scenarios where you have to use, where you're going to have to use more willpower than you normally do. You know, people really don't understand the severity of sin. There's many people who think they can just play around with things in their life, play around with lust, play around with anger, play around with deception. Many people who just lie all the time. You know, the crazy thing about people who lie all the time is it gets to the point where it's hard for them to kick the habit if it's not for a miracle, if it's not for an intervention from God, because they actually can't believe themselves. So they tell themselves, hey, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to stop lying. But they don't believe themselves because they've lied to everybody else that they're like, how can I even, they don't trust themselves. It gets to be a very slippery creek bed. The Bible says those that lie will not inherit the kingdom of God. Liars will not. And so understand that sin in your life left unchecked is a dangerous thing. It's not dangerous for the reason you may think. God will not withdraw his love for you. If he didn't, if he drew you with his love when you were a sinner, he's not withdrawing your love now that you're a Christian when you sin. It doesn't change who you are as his son or his daughter. What it does is it opens the door for the enemy. And ultimately, the devil's goal is to make your heart grow cold and then to make you backslide. That's his goal. He doesn't want you being born again. And so he starts with an addiction. He starts with a sin. And if it's left unchecked, man, if it's been that you've sinned and just said, well, you know, it's a long weekend. I'm just going to do whatever I want. And then I'll repent Sunday morning. Like that's a dangerous place to be, to be slow to repent. You have to be quick. You actually have to get a hatred in your heart for for the sin in your life, for these things in your life, for for the stuff that you've struggled with. God wants you to be free of it, but you have to cooperate with him. You know, there's a difference too, and, and I'll wrap up with this, but a, a thought about um, unrepent, a thought about repentance. There's two types of, there's really a couple different types of repentance, but true repentance is godly sorrow and is also a, a sorrow that you've sinned against God. The reality is, is the nature of sin is it's not against people first, it's against God first. You know, in the Old Testament, in 1 Samuel 15, it talks about Saul, who had been anointed king, you know, right before, the first king of Israel, right before King David. And the Lord basically said, go into this country, kill these people, kill everything, kill all the sheep, kill all, kill, kill all the livestock, kill everything, don't leave anything alive. 
and he comes back from the battle and he allows his the people to bring the high quality sheep back um, with the motivation the people said we want to sacrifice it to the Lord and so the, the Samuel comes to him and says why haven't you obeyed the Lord why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil and he said um, well I did what God told me I just brought back the king and my troops bought everything back to be able to sacrifice. And Samuel said, what's more pleasing that you, that to the Lord that you offer burnt offerings and sacrifices or, or obedience to what he says? And then it goes down and Paul says, Saul says, hey, um, I know I've sinned, you know, at least come with me in worship. And Samuel says, no, I'm not going to. And then Saul pleaded again, verse 30, I know I have sinned, but please at least honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel by coming back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. The crazy part is, is he never said, he never cried out to the Lord. He said to Samuel, yes, I've sinned against you. Yes, I've sinned against the Lord, but please honor me in front of the people. He was really more sorry that he got caught rather than what he had done before God. And then if you see in, in 2 Samuel chapter 2, it's a completely different thing for David. Nathan comes to, the prophet comes to David and basically tells a story about two men in a town, one rich man, one, one poor man. One poor man only has one little lamb. The other one has, you know, a bunch of flock. And then when the time comes, uh, a, a guest comes into town, the rich man goes to the poor man and demands that he give him his the, the little lamb that he raised from birth, right, in his own household and, uh, and uh, sacrifices it and killed it for his guest. And it says, David was furious as surely as the man lives. If any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. And then it's like the mic drop moment when Nathan looks at David and says, hey, you're that man. You took that other man's wife and sent him off to battle, right? And then you see what, um, uh, and then verse 13, it says, uh, then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And and that was his response. And he fell down and repented. He knew, hey, sin is not against somebody else. Sin is against the Lord. There has to be a conviction for sin. Lord, I've been dealing with this thing. Lord, I need to overcome. It may be something new that's popped up into your life. It may not have been a five, 10 year struggle. It may be, but it may not. It may be a group of friends that you know are leading you in the wrong direction. Hey, when I hang out with this person, I can tell that my relationship with the Lord. Hey, when I when I interact with this, this certain person. Hey, I can tell that they're leading me away from the Lord. They're leading me into temptation. There's a bit of flirtatiousness, right? There's, it's many times it's in relationship things. Even people where you just get around people and they just gossip and you could tell, man, every time I leave them, it's not leaving me better than when I came. That you have to understand when you sin, you sin against the Lord. You can't let stuff sit in your life. God doesn't withdraw his affection. You're still his child, but it opens the door and you have to choose. I'm shutting the door right away. I'm not letting this thing linger. I'm going to be someone who closes the door on temptation and overcomes temptation. Make a decision tonight and even begin a plan. What do I do to beat this thing? Practically, what changes can I make? What what person can I have set up that I need to call if the temptation comes? And begin to prepare in advance like my sister-in-law did with that bacon documentary. So when that smell came, she wouldn't be tempted. 
because she understands the truth. Sin is a disgusting thing. It'll keep you from the from the life of God. You can't have strength to ask God for things when you're living a life of sin. But God wants to make you overcome. Here's a scripture to start with, Romans 6:14, and sin shall no longer have dominion over you. The power of sin is broken. Father, I thank you for every person listening. Lord, a supernatural grace to resist sin. The power of sin is broken off your life. I break its power right now in Jesus' name. Lord, any spirit of anger, any spirit of jealousy, any spirit of lust, any spirit of bitterness, I break your power now in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that every person has clean hands and a pure heart. And Lord, that you equip them to resist sin and to overcome temptation. I thank you that 2020 will be the best year and the, 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 the most joyful year in their relationship with you as they grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. We will see you on the next podcast as we round up, wind up, round up to Christmas time. We love you.